This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 180, Dr. Janet Crane on Hypnotic Connections. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. So years ago, I'm at my dentist office, and it's this interesting experience as I learned that there's actually such a thing as substitute dentist, substitute hygienist, that basically if the dentist or the hygienist has to be out sick that day, they don't shut down the office. There's actually a service that they can call and have another dentist, another dental hygienist come in and fill in for the day. And this was my experience at this specific office, as I share the story with you, that as the dentist has been beginning to look in my mouth, out of his mouth, he says, oh, you're a hypnotist. Are you more Ericksonian or are you more Elmanian? At which point I have to respond, dude, we need to talk. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here, welcoming you back to the program, and uh, as is the theme at times, here's someone I've been meaning to have on the program for quite some time, having heard her incredible inspirational story of Dr. Janet Crane, the dentist who, quite literally, hypnosis helped to save her life, and then discovering that passion for the work that we do, going off and getting training, and then maintaining that role as the dentist, and of course, as you'll hear her detail in this conversation, the specific, we'll call them parameters that she had to practice within in terms of how she could use hypnotism as what uh, she was doing as a dentist. And I'd reference that even though we only briefly hint at a specific technique in this dialogue, that of what she is referred to as the finger focusing technique, which I'd comfortably say any decent hypnotist can unpack exactly what the strategy is. It's a brief moment of doing small muscle catalepsy, straighten that finger out. The more solid you let the finger become, the more you can't bend it, try to bend it, it gets even stronger. And we're Janet, as the dentist, would instruct her patients to make use of that as a strategy. Meanwhile, she would be in the mouth doing the actual work. And this is a technique that I've heard her speak on several times over the years, whether it's at conventions or purchasing the audios of various convention presentations. And it's a technique that I've personally taught my clients. And you'll hear some of the considerations as to when I do that. We're also going to hit on the themes of one of uh, Dr. Crane's specialties, which is that of tree reading and some of the science and thinking behind it. And on from there, we're going to talk about her ongoing, let's call it media project of Coffee Time with Janet, uh, which we're going to link to all of these in the show notes, as well as the Janet Crane website uh, over at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. It's an interesting dialogue that we're going to get into here in terms of what it is that drives those connections from one person to another and the incredible intimate nature of dentistry and how that correlates over to how we communicate with ourselves, how we climb out of problems we'd fall into and how we also can help our clients to become a whole lot more specific in our dialogue. Uh, I will reference just a small technical thing. We had a few uh, recording blips about maybe two thirds of the way through this. So my uh, editing team will do their amazing job of cleaning it up as much as possible. Though you'll hear the audio will jump. I think we only lost about maybe three seconds total, which 
you're going to be all right. Uh, but again, you'll hear a couple of blips later in. This is just the only reference I'll make to it as it's a bit of a non-issue there. Just the wonders of technology and perhaps another reminder why our one-to-one connections are so valuable. Uh, I'd also encourage you to check out Hypnotic Workers. Com. Hypnotic Workers is my entire hypnosis training library captured in an easy-to-master, on-demand, kind of Netflix-for-your-hypnosis-training-style library because we can go to conventions, we can attend live trainings, and by no means is this meant to be a replacement for that, but it's where we need that community. We need that attachment to others, and that's why Hypnotic Workers is a growing library based on your requests. Uh, It's also an active online community to get your questions answered, and also at the same time have access to a 120-plus hour library, uh, including real client demonstrations, techniques for change you won't find anywhere else, and the ability to model the actual process to get the the street smarts rather than the book learning of your hypnosis practice. So check that out, hypnoticworkers.com. Uh, All the links to Janet's programs, as well as her app, will be over at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this outstanding conversation. Grab your coffee. This is session number 180, Dr. Janet Crane on Hypnotic Connections. Okay, so... Basically, I was diagnosed with advanced non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a recurrence of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that I had previously. My, I went for chemotherapy and was having such a hard time with the side effects. But because they had only given me a limited time to live, people thought that I was going to die, so they sent, like, fruit baskets, candy baskets, cookie baskets, and my husband was gaining weight. (laughs) So he decides to go to a hypnotist for weight loss in the middle of my chemotherapy. I was already bald, already had lost 22 pounds, already had a mouth that was as dry as the desert, and he went for hypnotherapy. And the hypnotist said, oh my God, bring me your wife. I can help her. I had never experienced hypnotherapy before. I went to his office. And after 45 minutes of the suggestion that I would be hungry, not nauseous, I left there and I went to Carvel, had an ice cream. I went and got French fries. I went and got Malamars. I (laughs) ate my way through the rest of the treatment. And in the hospital, they would say, we've never seen anybody gain weight on chemotherapy besides you. Anyway, it was a rough two years because I was on an experimental drug, but I committed that if I ever lived through this, I would become a hypnotist because if this could work for me, I could really make a difference in the world. So I became a hypnotist, and then once I was on the road, I became a certified hypnotist. I became a hypno coach. I just was taking the traveling world. The first year of the hypnosis conference, there was a tree reader there giving a lesson. And it's so funny, like the universe said, you got to go, you got to go, because it was my first year at the NGH conference. And it was the co- this class was between 6 and 7 o'clock on the night when the big gala show was. Mm-hmm. I think that's like Friday night when the hypnosis show was. Yeah, Friday night when and they're I'm doing thinking, the shows, and there's also some workshops that evening. Right. So I went to this workshop. It was life-changing, obviously, because after that, I learned how to tree read, and now I'm off and running as the queen of tree reading. 
so that's how I got here. Yeah. And I want to rewind back into that because at the time you were in a different career uh, when you first first were introduced to hypnosis, correct? Okay, absolutely. So I was a dentist. I was actually a dentist and I specialized in headaches, facial pain, and TMJ disorders. I was a full-time dentist, but during chemotherapy, my fingers went numb and I had to go on disability. And they basically like assured me that my fingers would come back as soon as I was done with the chemotherapy, but it wasn't quite as quick as they had said it would be. Mm-hmm. So for 18 months, my fingers were numb, and you can't really be a dentist and give injections when your fingers are numb. Yeah. So I was on disability, and I had a lot of time to think about what my future would look like. And basically what I did is during that period, I volunteered on a hotline for people that were violent towards their children to stop them from being violent. And what I realized during that time is that we all have those moments when we like are so caught up in our thoughts that we forget who we are. I forgot who I was. Um, when I had chemotherapy, I was so upset. I, I was like pitying myself, all the negative self-talk, why me? Everything was wrong. But when I was on this hotline, what I realized is that if you could manage your thinking, you could achieve anything. And hypnosis gave me the ability and it gave other people the ability. After I was hypnotized that I would believe that any time I got that little feeling, that queasy feeling, I was hungry, I never threw up again. Mm-hmm. How amazing would that be? So when my, fin- when my fingers finally returned and I was able to go back to practice, I brought hypnosis into my dental practice to help people manage stress. You know, what you hit on there is something that is rather interesting, that of all things in this area, I'm down in the Washington, D.C. area, and the, the line is that if I knew the method to actually get in front of this audience, um, things would be amazing. That suddenly there was a rush of dental hygienists with the early stages of arthritis going, okay, so I'm not going to be able to physically do the work anymore, yet I really like the one-to-one work in helping people, and they find themselves uh, interacting with the hypnosis training. What would you say it was from, from the dentistry background that prepared you well for moving into the hypnosis? Well, because I think that one of the things that's really hard about being a dentist is no matter where you are at a cocktail party, in, in a, you know, a very fancy event, or at the grocery store, and someone says, oh, you're a dentist? Oh, I hate the dentist. Like, <laughs> that immediate response was always, like, hard for me because, like, I looked at it as, oh, my God, I'm restoring your smile, and what's more important than that? I'm restoring your ability to nourish yourself. I, for me, yes, dentistry is like a little painful, but if I was like with my plastic surgeon friends, that's painful, but people like really value looking young, and they didn't say to the plastic surgeon, oh my God, it's so painful, I could never, I could never take advantage of your services. They'd say, okay, sign me up, but to me, they'd be like, oh, I hate the dentist. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was just perspective. Well, my own personal dentist one time gave me the anecdote. He goes, yeah, this is the one form of being a doctor that people haggle with you, that the dentist makes the recommendation of that, uh, you know, well, here's a mouth guard. Here's what it's going to do. Well, okay, well, how much is that? 
well, what's that going to do? Okay, maybe next time, as opposed to your medical doctor says you need this, you need that. You just go, okay. Um, the way that one time I had a brief uh, a gum graft done by a periodontist, and the intro to that dialogue was my dentist going, I need you to understand I've only made this specific recommendation five times in my 30 years of dentistry. You're the fifth one. You have to do this. And I'm there going, why are you phrasing it this strongly? He goes, because most people start to haggle. (laughs) I think so. And I think part of the reason is, is that in dentistry, you're awake. So you are so vulnerable. You don't like anyone going into your mouth. It's a very intimate relationship, you and your dentist. And I think there's the intimacy issue. I think there's the vulnerability vulnerability issue, the control issue. I think there's a lot of things that go into the process. When you go for like, I mean, I don't want to use plastic surgery again as Mm -hmm. the only example, but plastic surgery, heart surgery, all those things, you're not awake. So you you don't experience it the way you experience dentistry. And it's hard. It's not... You know, even though we have better pain control than we did years ago when dentists extracted teeth without any anesthesia, it's still not there yet. You still feel vulnerable. You still feel out of control. And you are. Let's face it, you are. And that's like the most amazing thing about hypnosis is hypnosis gives you control in whatever area you need it versus willpower, which is I will, I will, I will, eventually that works out because no matter what, imagination trumps willpower, as Einstein said. So hypnosis is powerful. So then how was it that you were then integrating the hypnosis into the dentistry practice? Well, originally I thought that I was going to integrate it because I I treated sleep apnea, I treated headaches, I treated so many things um, that I was going to integrate hypnosis in a big way into my dental practice. Unfortunately, the New Jersey Dental Board is very strict. And they said you can only do hypnosis for dental anxiety. That's it. Mm -hmm. Even though it's been proven that weight loss reduces sleep apnea when you stop breathing while you're sleeping, snoring, it reduces it. Even though that's out there, they told me I couldn't do it for weight loss. They told me, even though we know how oral cancer is so dangerous, you can't do it to stop smoking. So while I was in my dental practice, I was very limited as to what I used hypnosis for. I I used it basically to manage your anxiety in the dental office. And if I remember correctly from hearing you speak before, specifically, uh, I know you talked one time about a strategy of creating small muscle catalepsy and using that as a mechanism to resolve those anxieties and also do a little bit of uh, some of the pain relief work too, correct? Right, because I feel like you need to have the power yourself. I started with the finger focus, what I use during chemotherapy. It's like a Dave Ellman technique Yes. where you focus on your finger. And when you're focusing on your finger, you can only be focusing on one thing. Like, for example, I was focused on being hungry instead of nauseous. If you can just bring your mind to that place where you're focusing on your finger and keeping your finger unbendable and straight, you have the power. You can tap into your personal power. So that's the technique I used because I, being, using hypnosis for self-control, you need to have the power yourself. Yeah, and I'd shared that's something that, having heard you speak on that before, I thank you for that because that's something I've actually taught clients over the years of, uh, I'd give it the filter that we can work on things that are uncomfortable, we can work on resolving fears, 
But to say it politely, there are some things that we have to go through that may not be that uh, comfortable, that uh, we may not necessarily be going for the full anesthesia of someone getting a shot, because that's not necessarily my environment. Uh, Yet we can make them a whole lot more comfortable, dissolve away the fears around that. But at the end of the day, they're still sticking metal through flesh. So, uh, (laughs) So while you're there... Here's the technique. Straighten the finger out. Focus on the more you try to bend that thing, it gets even more solid. And as you put all your focus there, that allows the doctors to keep their focus where it needs to be and lets this become a whole lot more comfortable. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly right. And that's I think I got that phrasing from the, you about 10 years ago, but we'll take it. Oh, <laughs> that finger, that, the finger focus is something that I feel like every hypnosis should teach to everybody because the good news is your finger's always with you. Yes. You don't need a pendulum. You don't need to, like, raise your eyes. You just, you just do your finger. And the good news is, is you could do your finger in your pocket and no one has to know. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's, like, the best <laughs> part about it. If you're afraid to get on an elevator and you're standing there and you just straighten your finger, nobody knows what's going on. Well, and I think you that's... you get onto the elevator. Yeah, and we, we talk in business about having a USP. What's that unique selling proposition? It's where over the years, and whether it's techniques like that, whether it's uh, quick NLP interventions, the, the mindset of sharing with you that I'm going to teach you self-hypnosis techniques you can do anytime, anywhere, and nobody knows you're doing something, which um, followed by the catchphrase, you know, rather than I need a dark room and a CD player for 45 minutes, things that are practical in the moment. So even if you do need something, Here's what you're able to do to address that on your own. And you have your equipment with you all the time because you always have your hand with you. Like exactly. I, I mean, I feel that's like really funny, but I, I feel like it's so important that it's you. You have the tools. Like you don't need me. You have the tools because I feel like sometimes people want you to direct them and you to guide them and you to support them when it, they can do this part themselves. I'm not saying that that they don't need a hypnotist. And there's definitely things that. You, you know, you can go to a hypnotist regularly for to solve or manage, but like reinforcement is the key because it's really the more you practice it, the better you get at it. So the, the better it would work in the hypnotist's office because you're, you're already there. Exactly, exactly. So then what was that? Uh, so were you just using the hypnosis then for the dental anxieties? Were you also offering hypnosis as its own separate and distinct service? No, because the dental board told me that I couldn't mm-hmm. practice other hypnosis in my dental practice. I had to have a different location. Yeah. So I've only done dentistry hypnosis using the finger focus, teaching it to everybody. And I'm still, whenever I do do hypnosis, that's what I do. I teach you the finger focus so that I empower you. Outstanding. outstanding. So how, how is that applying to other issues beyond the dentistry? Because it applies to all issues, because the thing is, is that if your thoughts are spiraling in a negative direction and you are going down a really bad path, if you're going into negativity, if you're going into worry, if you're going into excuses, or if you're going to shoulda, coulda, whatever, you just straighten your finger, manage your thoughts, and replace it quickly. Like instead of being in excuses, go into excitement. Instead of being into negative, go into nurturing. Like it gives you the power to make the switch and take a different road. And that's what I think we need to do. We need to take a different mind road (laughs) because that's what hypnosis does. It gives you that power. And we need to know how to do it. We need to practice doing it so that when the moment comes, you have that power. Well, what I love about that is that it's a natural progression of 
what you were doing before, just now bringing into that mind-body connection of it rather than, uh, not to use the word in a negative way, but rather than the, the more mechanical, I'm in the mouth, I'm working on these things. Here's the mental aspect of how we can actually address that. So you can strengthen this on your own. You can prevent those headaches. You can prevent the, the grinding and so forth. Right. And I really, really believe, I learned this in my dental practice, is there's an emotional component to all pain. There's an emotional component to all experiences. It's called your story. So something can happen to you. So many of my patients were in car accidents. And the, the fact is they were in a car accident and they got hurt. When they tell me the story, it's like, that person wasn't watching. They hit me. They ruined my life. That's the story. And that's what you can control with the finger focus. When you separate the story from the facts, Mm-hmm. and you stay in the facts, and you separate the emotional component, you can handle the emotional component and take that in a different direction. Because I truly, truly believe that there's a silver lining to every experience. If you let it show itself, it will reveal itself. And then you can go on the silver road, because it's a much better road. Outstanding. So then introduce us to the, the tree reading. For those that are not familiar with that, what's, what does that consist of? So basically, our subconscious mind doesn't use words. Our subconscious mind uses images and pictures. So imagine how powerful it is to kind of have like a conversation, become self-aware by just drawing a tree. Tree reading has been around for a really long time in vocational industries and in psychiatric care because it has been found that trees are metaphors for, for human beings' personalities. So you draw a tree, and then I can reveal what your subconscious is saying, because once it's conscious, then you could decide that you want to make a change. So, for example, I did some tree readings yesterday, and there were a lot of worry trees. People drew me trees that showed how much they worried. Now I made them conscious of it, and I gave them an action plan. The action plan is limit your worry to 10 minutes a day. You like to worry, worry for 10 minutes. When the 10 minutes are up, say, okay, I'll worry tomorrow. Because now that that's that's a conscious thought, you could take conscious action. And that's what tree reading is all about, getting that self-awareness so you could take conscious action. And I know we're, we're, we're here in an audio format and without the visual, but I'm curious, what are some of those aspects? So the, and the, the shape of this is that somebody draws a tree, and then from that, the reading is what's happening? So, yes. Yeah. So basically, um, you draw a tree in a box, and I can tell you by where you locate the tree, what's influencing your mother, your father, spiritual things, freedom, what your motivators are. So once you know what motivates you, you could tune into that. The next thing I look at is type of tree, because every type of tree has like specific characteristics that are unique to that tree that make it survive in nature. For example, a palm tree, flexibility, because it has to survive those big winds. The next thing I look at is treetop. The way you draw your treetop, the way you draw your treetop is the way you interact with the outside world. The trunk is your emotional home life, the roots of family and instincts. When you put other things in the tree, like, for example, a giant sun, it shows me that you have an optimistic outlook towards life. 
whether you like a daily routine, whether you don't like a daily routine. The more self-aware you become, the more self-accepting you become, the more self-compassionate you become. Empathy increases, confidence increases, because nothing takes the place of Mm self-awareness. That's your strongest thing. When you know who you are, you can be your best self. So then is there a way that, is the reading standing on its own? Is it something you're now integrating into other helping modalities? Or what's kind of that next phase of that? Well, at this particular moment, it's an app on iTunes and Android. It's called Tree Reading. So you can do it for yourself. You can do it for your party. All the profits from that app, it's 99 cents. All the profit goes to the National Arbor Day Foundation to plant trees around the world because that is our greatest resource, and it was my way of going green and giving back. So everybody can do tree reading, and and the reason I made the app was to show people that it's not my intuition. It's Sometimes people draw a tree, and they're like, oh, that's not really me, and their husband is standing behind them saying, it is, <laughs> because that self-awareness piece is what's missing in their life. Once you... Once you become aware of things, you can do what you want with it. It's like an education in you. It's a conversation with yourself. And then you could choose what to do with it. If you find out from this tree reading that you're overly sensitive, well, maybe that's when you get some coaching. If you find out from this tree reading that you like a daily routine, schedule your day. Work with who you are. Be your best self. That's what it's about. An elm tree never wants to be an oak tree, but you want to be the best elm tree you can be. You want to be the best apple tree you can be. I am all about being your best self. We all have our purpose in life, and what tree reading does is it helps you become your best self. What I love about that, especially the application into an app that, you know, it's where I've seen people, let's go off in a different uh, category, which may be similar but may not be because I know this is more your expertise than mine, that um, here's handwriting analysis and here's one school of thought where i've heard them say well it's all based on your intuition based on what you see and i hear that and go okay i need a little bit more detail than that but then here's others who go well here's how we've documented it here's how we can look at it here's what correlations we can make and that that self-guided application of getting into an app of going here's it's just the you know the nuts and bolts of it how the process connects together Right, because the person that I learned it from asked me, how do you feel about the tree? And I was thinking, wait, I'm a dentist. I'm scientific. I don't really feel about it. Like, that was not going to work for me. That's why I did extensive research to find out what the research says about the parts of the tree. Once I got that, I made it in. What I added to tree reading is I made it into an eight-step process so that if you read the tree, I read the tree, or they read the tree, it's the same reading. It's uniform. So that people didn't say it's intuition. It's not my intuition. When in doubt, I leave it out. I don't guess. Psychiatrists, psychologists send me trees. I read them because they say that it helps them really get to know the main issues. And to me, the key here is that it's repeatable. When you draw a a ground line, it means daily routine. Whether I read it, you read it, or anybody reads it. And I think that is so important for tree reading. I think it's important that there's like a lot of spiritual stuff, a lot of, you know, law of attraction. I believe in that too. But I do believe in tree reading. If I'm going to tell you about you, it has to be consistent, not having nothing to do with my intuition. What What I love about this dialogue, though, is the way that you've been able to integrate things in 
to the way that you've done things that, for example, yes, there were some barriers in terms of the dentistry. That's a exact dialogue that I've actually heard my dentist bring up as well, that he goes, yeah, there's requirements of ongoing uh, educational units that we have to do every year. And he goes, and I have to mention, he goes, I'm on a path right now of taking a lot of educational credits, which yes, keep the dentistry boards happy. Yet he goes, so often I'm taking things that just personally I'm interested in. And they tell me I can't use these with my patients, yet they still count for my hours. Uh, so the ways that you were able to bring the appropriate aspects of hypnosis into what you were doing, though I'm sure, correct me on this, that as we go through a hypnosis training, we're getting a little bit more specificity in our language, a lot more clarity in our communication. And even though you perhaps weren't doing a formalized uh, process with each of your patients, there were aspects of it that were creeping their way into the process. Not 20%, 100% correct. Yes. <laughs> like that is so on because I feel like I was always conscious of what suggestions I was giving, always. Yes. Because to me, once I read their tree, they were hypnotized by me. I don't mean that to sound like um, highfalutin or anything like that, <laughs> but once you know about people and once you develop that trust and rapport, they're hypnotized by you, whatever you want to call it. They believe you, they're vulnerable to you, they, they trust you. So I was always careful about my language, choice of words, and the fact that I'm making this suggestion. And I think the biggest thing about the finger focus is the fact that all day long you're hypnotizing yourself by what you're saying to yourself. Mm -hmm. The same way you have to outwardly project your suggestions too. And really say, what am I saying? What does my tree say that I'm saying to myself? Who's influencing me? Whose expectations am I trying to live up to? And I think that all plays a part. I think the skill of hypnosis is just so valuable that everybody needs to do it and learn it. And what's interesting there is it does help to highlight that not everybody goes into this training, goes into this education with the goal of formally sitting down and doing hypnosis. I mean, I can reference a physical therapy student uh, who ended up in my hypnosis training that his description was, yes, I've traveled here from around the world. He was here on a student visa. And my professors are telling me that I'm going to teach my patients exercises, but they're not going to do them. So that's why I should just book more appointments. And he's listening to that as the young student going, there's got to be something I can do to help with the motivation, which, you know, he was coming into this training and English was clearly not his even second or third language. And some of the students were going, he's not as confident with this technique. And I'm there going, it's not what he's here for. He's here for the, the communication mechanism. He's here for the motivation aspect of it, of, again, like you just mentioned, being mindful of what suggestions we're actually giving and avoiding those negative ones we don't mean to be giving. Exactly. And I also think that now more than ever, people need connection. You know, it's very easy to just be online and not really have that human connection. And I think that hypnosis is the ability to connect, connect with yourself, connect with others. And I think that's just important. So speaking of connections, tell me a little bit more about uh, Coffee Time with Janet. Okay, so... Um, I wrote a book a few years ago called, If You Want an Egg Roll, Get Out of the Pizzeria. <laughs> it was a little bit biographical about how I built my life back after I had a very rough December in, 2000, in 1984. Basically, 
my first husband left me. My car was total. I got fired from my job. I had to move and start my life again. I was just devastated. And my sister called and said, Janet, what do you do good? I'm like, I don't really think I do anything well. She goes, she said, yes, you do. You shop. So go shopping. You need a new house, new husband, new job, new car. And that's when it began. I wrote a shopping list. I made a vision board of my shopping list. And one by one, I got every single thing on my list. Then I made another vision board. And through the years, I've made more and more vision boards. And I decided what I really am is a really great shopper. So I wrote this book for my patients about how to take this opportunity. I call it a shop opportunity. When life throws you curveballs, it's just another opportunity to shop, whatever you're shopping for. If you're shopping for health, wealth, like some, at the first time I was shopping, I needed a lot of physical things. The next time my life had a shop opportunity, it was emotional things because I had cancer. I needed hope. I needed courage. And I got all those things the same way, starting with the shopping list. The food court is where you self-care. Where do you take care of yourself? If you only have fast food and quick fixes, you're not really self-caring. If you're going shopping and you're looking for a husband, but you're shopping in the, the Disney store or the married man store, you're not going to get what you look for. So you have to go to the right store, and basically your store you provide for other people. If all your customers are shoplifting you, or they're arsonists and they're burning your store down, you need to write better store policy. And that's what my book is all about. Fast forward, one of my sister's friends was dying of cancer, and she had read my book and like said that it was like the one thing that was keeping her going, to do I think I could call her every day. So I, while she was at the end of her life, for three months, I called her every day. And I would get on the phone and I'd say, Lori, let's pretend we're going out for coffee and just have a chat. And we would just chat about life. And when she could no longer speak, they held the phone to her ear so that she could have this coffee time with me in the morning. After she passed away, I was like missing having coffee with her in the morning. And I hired a business coach because I was preparing some online classes and I was getting better at filming them. And he said to me, you need to go on Facebook Live because you need to like get better on camera. So that's when I started Coffee Time with Janet, which is supposed to be 30 days of me doing a live show on, on Facebook. It turned into, I'm in my second season now, and I have quite a big audience, and basically people just have coffee with me. I have coffee. I don't talk about anything. I always say I don't talk about anything important. That's not true because I think everything I talk about is important. But what I don't talk about is politics. I don't talk about negativity. I just talk about things that inspire me or things that hopefully inspire other people or what my day was like or what I was thinking because it's just like having coffee with a friend. And every day I get to have coffee with people and then they comment and the whole day I'm commenting back. If I have a guest on in the afternoon, I call it decaf. And if I put up an old post that I did before, I call it a reheat. Nice. And you basically <laughs> just have coffee. And, and that's it. I talk for like five to eight minutes. I mean, when I have a guest on, it goes a little longer. But it's basically that you don't have to have your coffee alone. You could connect. What I love about that, too, is we were chatting before we turned on uh, the recording here that the goal right now is just to make that connection. And, you know, maybe it'll lead to something. Maybe it'll just be its own thing. But that willingness to 
open up that dialogue to create that connection one person to another is um, I mean of all things not to bring it into a specific uh, you know, business discussion but as I spend as much time in business and marketing worlds as I do with the hypnosis community the number one quote trending thing right now is that human to human connection that as much as the theme is that the robots are coming the more that we can bring that human appeal back into what we do and that connection that people are still making those decisions based on that that feeling of rapport that communication that uh, that attachment to other people and i think i talk about old fashioned values that people would talk about if they were having coffee with me it's just on a modern platform now yeah like i just it's so funny because um, you see me drinking my coffee. You see me putting my coffee cup down. It's not, there's nothing perfect about this five minutes. And I just have coffee and people watch me and I always say to them, do you think that I should do this differently? They're like, no, it's kind of funny when your coffee's too hot or you don't have the cream or it tastes disgusting. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's very realistic that it's not filtered. It's just live. And, you know, there are days that I ramble and I get off topic but when you're having coffee with someone, you don't have an agenda. You don't pre-think it. It's not a business meeting. When people say to me, I think you should stay on topic. I think to myself, I think you're right, but I'm having coffee. And there's no. if you're having coffee with me, you know that I think about 25 things, so I don't stay on topic. And this is just like a reflection of having coffee with someone that's creative and just talking. And then, you know, I love when people comment or they share it, because then I get to meet more people, and I get to, every afternoon, I spend an hour answering people that, that watched it and comment. And so I feel really connected to them. I love it. I love it. So, so where, can people, where really can people find this great. online? How can, they, how can they interact with you? They can go to my page called Janet Crane. Um, I do it live on the Janet Crane page. I, I, like, post it. See? I'm, I'm, like, learning the terminology. I post it on my <laughs> private page in the afternoon, but it, it's live every day on my Janet Crane page. And you, I think you can get it by putting in hashtag Coffee Time with Janet all pushed together. I think that's how you can get it. Um, or if you like me, I'll like you back. You know, I feel like it's so funny for someone that's, I'm 64 years old, so for someone my age, I still go back to feeling like I'm in the playground at, in third grade could you like me and like worrying that they're not going to like you? Like, I think the younger generation doesn't have that attachment of if you don't like me, it's like really a bad thing. Like, could you please be my friends? Like, it's still hard for me to say, could you like my page? Because I feel like I'm saying, can I have a play date with you? But, you know, as I think what's really the most important thing for me is that at my age, I'm like trying to bring out the millennial in me. I'm trying mm-hmm. to bring out the the um, person that really gets comfortable with social media. And I didn't grow up with it. So I don't know where to push and I don't know where to swipe. And I just, it's all new for me. And I feel like I'm not so great at technology, but if I could do it, anybody my age could do it. And older people can do it and younger people find it easier. And I think I'm living proof that... You just have to be brave and take a chance. Is it my best look every day? Is it my best statement every day? No, but you can have coffee with me every day and know that's real in your life. You know, know that's consistent, and you don't have to be lonely. If you're sitting at the coffee shop and you're watching Coffee Time with Janet, you're not alone because I'm there with you. 
Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for leaving your feedback online, for sharing this on your social media streams as well. And as Janet said, liking me as well. I'd encourage you to reach out to Janet. Check also out online over at hypnoticworkers.com where you're able to get instant access to my entire hypnosis training library starting at just $47. Join the community online. Check it out, hypnoticworkers.com. See you on the inside. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.